Beginning the Trek, a 52-episode introduction to Star Trek. Let's remind ourselves. Right. This is the one this with O'Brien. And Kiko. And, and Kiko. Keiko. Keiko. Sorry. Uh, Keiko O'Brien. Keiko. Keiko. And their first date. I mean, I'm sorry. Their marriage. <laughs> because apparently it was an arranged marriage and they never met each other or shared a meal. <laughs> so uh, in the prediction machine, you you definitely missed the flirt part. I, I, I got to give you a thumbs down on that. But uh, um, well, I mean, I missed the other one, too, because I thought he was actually literally going to be wounded and picked up by the Cardassians. So I kind of got the whole entire thing wrong. A little bit. Yeah, a little bit. So there you go. But uh, welcome, everybody, to uh, Beginning the Trek, episode 25. This is uh, Andy Goldberg here. And Jessica Ray, it's my turn. I say my name. Yeah. Jessica Ray. I'm the newbie. So when I predict things, sometimes it works and sometimes it doesn't. Yeah. And sometimes it's really funny for those of us that actually know the story ahead of time to listen to what your prediction Me was. Me babbling. It's like, wow, was she yeah. way off. But still, I mean, what you did to the machine after Best of Both Worlds too, I just wasn't prepared Well, I did have that. the Best of Both Worlds one to give me a whole yeah. thing on that. Yeah, but you're smart. You know this stuff. You're really smart. Uh, so what we're up to, for those of you that are joining us for your first time, we are introducing Star Trek to anybody that wants to learn about it. We're doing it in a fun, easy, and light way. We're making it easy on you. Hopefully we're making Are we making it easy on you, Jessica? You're, you're the newbie. You're the one who hasn't seen it yet. Yeah. Um, it's, it's nice to know it's all kind of curated and I don't have to watch. I can get the Star Trek idea without having to watch 700 episodes of Star Trek because that's daunting. I don't know. And I know some people just pick a series and then blast right through it because that's how we millennials go. But uh, I kind of like starting with the original series and moving on. It definitely gives you a base for what's to come and all of the history and the ideas and the growth. And there has been a lot of growth. There has been a lot of growth. I think that, and, and this is this episode is a great example of that because we really tackle things like PTSD and and uh, speciesism, species, species, speciesism, or speciesism, speciesism. Good God, I looked this up. Yeah, it wasn't. We I had said it was xenophobia, and it's, it's not. not. Yeah, it's it, being I actually, specious. I, I, uh, it's being specious or speciest is another speciest is another way of saying it. You can use either one. Um, and what and I even looked up what it what it meant uh, because I really wanted to make sure that I was using it right. So what it says is discrimination in favor of one species, usually the human species, over another especially in the exploitation or mistreatment of animals by humans. So that's how we've used it as human beings, but it's that first part that I really get discrimination in favor of one species. So yeah, if you think one species is worthy of being discriminated against in either direction, that's specious or speciesism. Uh, this one is a great example of that because we've got actual aliens and actual battles and problems and stuff. So do you want to give your synopsis? Yes. So uh, I, we do this each week. So um, I've already talked about uh, O'Brien and Keiko and that they just got married in the previous episode. You can sure tell uh, from all the cuddles. Sure. Okay. I've got my 10 sentences up and ready to go. The Wounded. The Enterprise is survey mapping the space near the Cardassian border as a cautious Captain Picard regales us of tales of just how nasty these guys really can be. 
Meanwhile, newlyweds Miles and Keiko O'Brien are sharing what has to be the most awkward meal in the history of star marriage, and I don't mind using one of my ten sentences to say so. Suddenly, weapons fire impacts the ship, because according to Worf, Picard was a little bit slow in the shields order, but don't worry, you're in good hands with Klingons. A tense exchange between Picard and Gul Maset, commander of the Kardashian ship, Cardassian ship, reveals accusations of a Federation ship firing on a Cardassian outpost, and he demands justice. Picard, ordered to keep the peace, invites Massette and some of his aides to board and observe the investigation. And then the culture clash begins, beginning with a very tense moment as Troy empaths O'Brien, reading very strong emotions about our new guests. It's Captain Ben Maxwell aboard the U.S. Phoenix who's apparently responsible for these attacks, and O'Brien, who served with him in the past, tells us of his former commander's hatred of the Cardassians for killing his family. O'Brien shares some difficult moments with one of Massette's aides, first being openly hostile and totally speciesist, and then coming clean about his own self-hatred and his inability to let the war experiences go. When we finally catch up to Maxwell, he's going on about how bad they are and they need to be stopped and lives were on the line. And Picard asks him all the hard questions before finally ordering Maxwell to stand down. When Maxwell tries to run and attack another ship, O'Brien beams over and the two reminisce about the war. Just you and me and good old Stompy. And then we have a good Irish ditty because that's what we do on Star Trek. The Diddy did what Diddy's do. So Maxwell surrenders. Picard dismisses Gulmaset, but he informs him that we know you're being sneaky and you're lucky that we want to keep the peace, but we will be watching. Now go away and don't come back until you become Guldicott. The end. I like that. Okay. Because now I've learned who Guldicott is. So Now you know who Guldicott is, or at least you'll or know. Or I will. You're going to recognize that face for sure, even though he's going to have different neck bones and stuff and no, and no hair. Well, and I think the, the first thing we talk about is the outfits that they're wearing. So we should get to that. <laughs> that was fun. <laughs> you want to talk episode? Let's talk episode. Let's talk about the wounded. I'm giving this a three out of five Cardassian headgear helmet things the helmet <laughs> the helmet we're gonna start right off with that ridiculous um like thing that you stick a globe in i don't know what else that was right like the i assumed like a face it was mask with no actual helmet to it <laughs> i assumed it was a bdsm thing or like you can like attach a a rope to it and just kind of like pull them by the nose something like oh, that oh a leash it's a collar for... It's, it's a collar for your face. Yeah, yeah. It's a Cardassian BDSM collar. Sure. Or it's their version... Like, if, if they're, it's their version of the chainmail bikini. Like, at one point, they had a helmet because they were in space, and you needed helmets in space. But then it was just like, well, let's make sexy helmets because we don't... We have got ships now, and it works, so we don't need the helmets as much. And it became sexier and sexier, and then it turned into a kink thing. The guy that plays Gulmer set, mm -hmm. we're going to see that, that actor play another Cardassian in Deep Space Nine a lot. He, he's, he's a very big recurring character. And now I have to think about that 
image of him because, oh, come You're on. You're welcome. Don't make me think of that. Ugh, yuck. Yuck for you. If you have a Cardassian thing, it's not yuck at all. Do you have a Cardassian thing? No, but I thought it was funny. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I mean, maybe I'll grow into having a Cardassian thing. You never know. Their makeup was really interesting. Isn't it? It's it's a it's a it's a, another one of those more alien than human looking aliens. Lots of bones in sticking yeah. out of the out of the skull and very yeah, the 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 stuff in the forehead. Well, can we talk about the things that were are they mutton chop mutton chops are on the side. Those are mutton chops are sideburns, right? What are the two little things hanging from his y'all can't see me because this isn't visual, but I am actually like pointing to the sides of my mouth. Y'all know what I'm talking about. Yeah, the the nearest I could come up with was a Fu Manchu. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Like a Fu Man, like, like it had the little the sides of the Fu Manchu without the without the stuff under right under the nose. And it didn't dangle. And it didn't dangle. It just it was just very tightly cropped, you know, like like maybe that was a that was a fashion choice. Um, that's that was how it's that's funny. You brought you bring up the two things right off the bat. That's how I'm going to tell uh, him apart from Goldacott, because he will come back as Goldacott, this character. Oh, the same actor. This, this actor. Gotcha. Yeah. You'll since we're only what, like three weeks away from Deep Space Nine, you will probably You'll probably say, "Oh yeah, it was him. I remember him." Oh, okay. Um, just like get that. different, different guy, different. But character. he's gonna lose those because that's sad. Because I kind of liked them. I don't usually like facial hair, but that totally worked. <laughs> I, I thought they were kind of cool, right? They made him look like he was in a biker gang or something. Something, yeah. With yeah. His, especially with the helmet, <laughs> and we're never gonna see him in it again. No, the helmet goes away. The helmet goes away. Okay, we can stop talking about the helmet. That's fine. Uh, but you, oh, you're digging that the whole the whole Cardassian. You're like you're digging the Gulmer set thing. Interesting character and a really good. Sure, let's start with the Cardassians because really great uh, opposite for Picard. But there's a lot of like in between in this episode. And the reason I gave it three and not because I liked it a lot. That isn't to say I didn't like it. I would totally sit down. It was missing. Maybe some action, the parts that were actions that were, uh, we're just seeing it on a board, you know, it's a dot that's going in and out. So it's not like ships firing. Although there was a little bit of that. I noticed that. I noticed that we had a lot of. Lots of meetings, lots of talking. Conversations. And they were yeah. great conversations. Like, they like really the story, are. the story goes from, from, from conversation to conversation. And that's how this one forwards. And you're right. The action's minimal and almost plays out in conversation too. It does. Like they almost tell you what's happening rather than show you what's happening in this. And yeah, that's a, a bit of a missing. Well, it's it's a very kind of stage play, right? Where you say, oh, they shot that guy. And then you hear the gunshot over there. It's very much like that. Right. You look out the window and see the French coming over the over the hill um, to attack or something. Not the French. The French? What am I thinking? I don't know. Jean-Luc? But it felt it felt like that, like like as a play, which works really well to the actor's advantage because it was really well written and all of the actors are great. The one set of conversations that didn't work for me, and it's just a bummer, and it, they don't ever really get it going, is Miles and Keiko O'Brien, who just got married. Oh. Who just got married, I think, in the last episode, like in the episode previous. And have never had a meal together, <laughs> clearly. And, and apparently, yeah, before they got married, she had never cooked for him and he had never cooked for her. Is it really her cooking for him if it's like, replicator, make this meal that we used to have in 
ancient Japan. I'm saying ancient because they're hundreds of sure. years in front of us. So ancient is going to be like, no, that, that it's ridiculous. It, it, it's not only that, why do they have to have the same thing? Right. If it's that if easy, they are getting it out of the replicator. Why doesn't he just order his mutton shanks and she just order her, whatever it was, cakes, fish cakes or, or uh, b- b- blueberry sea, sea, sea berries, sea blueberries, or, sea berries, yeah, it's sea berries, some sort of sea berries. There was something. Some plankton loaf, plankton loaf and sea yes, berries. Yes, that sounds right. Yum. And you know, if he, if, it, if he doesn't, yeah, if he doesn't like it, then why does it? It was just a, cl- it was a clunky, clunky scene. Both scenes were clunky. They have no cuddles at all. For being newly married, they don't touch each other. They don't hug each other. I did like the moment where she kind of squeals about his mom making real food from real animals and real plants. Uh, just because that's that's such a great thing that if you do have a replicator and you're living on a ship, there's no livestock. So that, that really would be the reaction to that. Oh, my God. Look what you used to do. The line I loved that she said was she touched the meat and everything. That's awesome. Yes. It grossed her out. That was real. Yeah. But that makes sense. I thought you were going to say what was really clunky about this episode was the two guys sitting there singing a little Irish ditty because Star Trek needs to stop doing that. Oh, you didn't like the little the little uh, song between Maxwell and we're just so we're just going to talk about some of the goofy stuff and then we'll get into the deeper stuff later. I have a feeling. Yeah, we will. So that's how yeah. this episode will go. Because there's a lot of deep stuff. There's but. a lot of deep, <laughs> but there's a lot of fun stuff in it too. And, and that was so wow. So you don't like the singing. Are you done with singing? No, I love singing. It works great when it's right. But I was just sitting there like uncomfortably listening to these two guys. It was a little long. It was awkward. And long. They were trying, obviously, to get them to connect. I, well, you know what they were doing. You get it. It might have gone on a little too long. I, it, I, it was kind of endearing. I don't know. I like it when they sing. They sing a lot in Star They sing sometimes. They sing the same way Tolkien likes to have his characters sing, which is slightly randomly and really kind of romantically about like war and manly friendship. And it's just like... Why am I here? I don't. They could have made that connection with just the joke because it was really that was that was totally established when um, Maxwell, the the captain of the Phoenix, is sitting there and talking to O'Brien, and he makes the joke about who was that guy? Oh, they called him I don't know buckets or whatever. Stompy, right, right. Stompy, uh, and like that that worked. One of so many great conversations in this episode was that one where you know the sort of familiarity. Who was it? And the and, and the name comes out, but that's not quite familiar. But the moment that right. that nickname comes out, how real that person was to both of those people while we were watching. It just felt like they had lived a life together with Stompy somewhere in the past. It all just felt very genuine to me. I just, I, I, I want to point out just so many beautiful moments, I thought, with this episode. I can totally understand why O'Brien is a big deal for fans. And I get that. He's a great actor. I don't understand the love for him. As a character, he's, aside from being extremely Irish, He's a little generic. I feel afraid to say this to you. You're looking sad at me because you love this character. No, 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 no. This is who he is right now for you. This is this. And we've barely gotten to know him. I mean, he's the guy that in encounter at Farpoint said Farpoint Station seems rather dull to me, sir. And that was his whole like, like right. that's what he contributed. 
in, in the pilot, you know, and we've seen him transport people in and out. And occasionally he, I think he played poker one time. He hasn't, he hasn't been there much. He starts to develop this character and then they take him to Deep Space Nine. Okay. So, I mean, we're going to, I'm going to see more of him, but even in this episode where he's clearly the, he's the everyman. Yes. He is every man. The problem with playing the everyman is that it's really easy to hate because, or maybe this is just me. Wow. On behalf of all every man out there, <laughs> I'm really happy about the way you just said that. <laughs> well, no, I mean, as a character, they're just there because they're representations of us. So they don't know a whole lot. So they're there to be told what the audience needs to be told, or they're not the most courageous because they're there to be representative of us who when we're not courageous so it's all of like this as a character this isn't even necessarily o'brien this is just me looking at every man kind of characters and seeing that and being like that ah. did you not find o'brien to be courageous he transported over to maxwell's ship he was 100 percent confident that he could do that he could have been taken prisoner and if that was going to happen the enterprise was going to destroy the ship rather than let him run amok he was putting his life in the line by going over there Having to think about that, because no, I didn't think about that as being particularly courageous. I think he saw these two captains, neither of them are going to back down. So he saw what was going to happen. So, I mean, he did, he did something. He, he, he fixed it. Mm -hmm. He fixed it. He got Maxwell to surrender. Maybe I'm not giving the song enough credit, clearly. Maybe. I don't, I, and, and, and it was a little long for me, too. I don't know. Would you have would it, would it have been believable for you if Maxwell had just given up after the stompy conversation? Totally. Or was that the thing that softened him enough? And I love the line. I'm not going to win this one, am I? Yeah, I think that was already there. He knew he's not a psychopath. He knew exactly what he was doing. He's hurt and he's stuck in a rut. That's what makes Maxwell so tragic in this whole thing was he really felt justified mm -hmm. he might have even in a way we haven't gotten to it yet been justified you know i mean picard kind of confirmed that he believed what maxwell believed mm -hmm. maxwell just took it to a level picard wasn't willing to well here's the thing this and this is why i said okay we're getting deep with this this we might be yeah this may be the turn this is great because when you look at it if you're the kind of person who says if you're right you need to prove that rightness, you need to show that rightness, and you need to make everyone else see how right that right is. That's Maxwell. To, to me, this is me talking through it. Yeah. If you're Picard, if that right causes a bunch of deaths, then it's not right. Picard is shades of gray and nuance, and that is like what he, he's no, like Kirk and Maxwell are all black and white. Mm -hmm. This is moral, and that's why I'm going to show everybody, and if people die then at least they died for something good happening. But the problem with that, that Picard sees, is that you're right and your version of good and your version of morality is not the enemy's right and their version of good and their version of morality. And this is exactly why Picard is amazing. <laughs> he is the advisor that every political person needs. And I wrote this down because this was so beautiful. When Max was talking, he's like, lives were at stake. Whose lives? We had to act now. Why? I took the initiative. I did what had to be done. What had to be done? For whom? All of these cliches that politicians, 
throughout all of history and you see it right now it's happening right now and they don't have picard to tell them why for who right now really right now they don't have anybody telling them that that's why they keep saying it and and keep feeling justified in all these extreme measures of killing and rampaging and war that was a powerful beautiful thing i thought the my big takeaway from this first time watch wow I I really have always loved this episode. The the way that the story unfolds from conversation to conversation so powerfully, so logically, each person 100% convicted and maybe 100% justified in what they're up to. Even the Cardassians. Mm-hmm. Even and you know, we could talk about this guy, the the, the one that got caught. At the computer terminal. Side note. By Worf. I absolutely love, when was this made? This is meant to be like mid-90s, right? Mid-90s. This was when UX and UI were not terms. They weren't real. Nobody had these jobs. And he's sitting there being like, the interface is so much faster than ours. What is UI, UX? Oh, uh, user, oh, I'm sorry, user experience and user interface. So he was talking about how much faster their user interface was on their terminals. And I thought that was just a hysterical thing to, obviously, he's trying to get intel. Just got to say, in my profession, that was a beautiful moment, and I love it. <laughs> there was a lot. There, there was a lot. You got to, you know, I mean, basically, we nobody had heard of hacking last week when we were talking right, about the right. Borg. And, you know, right. so hacking was a really cool way to solve the Borg problem. In today's, it's like, I need more than just you hacked it. Uh, same kind of could be here. You know, we we didn't know what would be a plausible excuse. We made something up. It sounds it works. completely silly now. No, I think if I was on a ship, that would be the thing. I'd be like, mm, look at that typography on that screen. Y'all did a beautiful job. <laughs> like, who's your designer? Who's your architect? <laughs> yeah, you'd be looking at fonts. Right. And I thought that was just a hysterical thing to, obviously, he's trying to get intel. And you've got the Picard and um, who's the who's the other captain, the Cardassian? Uh, Gull Masset. Masset. Okay. Gull Mas- Is he Gull? He's a Gull. Oh, he's a Gull. He is a Gull. A Gull would be um, like at captain level. He would be in command of a ship, a space station. So because they're aliens, I had to give them whole new titles. I get that. Okay. He's a Gull. And there's legates and there's and there's uh, there's a whole ranking system. Right. For, of course there is. Star Trek fans demand perfection. The details. Y'all are into the details, man. So, well, you know, I'm into the story. I'm into the characters. Mm. That's why we do it from that perspective, and, and it, which makes it fun for me. Um, when somebody hits me with, you know, that this takes place 2.3 years after, the, it's like, no. Was it relevant to the story? Not really. Okay, then no, I don't know that. So some of the, it's just love of particulars. It's good fun for other people. I'm here for the entertainment. So cool. Whatever way you want to serve that up, I'll I'll eat it. <laughs> well, well, I hope this has been an entertaining. We're, 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 we've we still got a little bit to go with the next generation, and uh, I plan to entertain you fully with the next two episodes. I. I'm pretty sure this is going to be Picard. This is going to be Patrick Stewart. You get one of those. You'll get one. You'll get one that is spotlight Patrick Stewart. And then you'll get one that is fan service for Star Trek's newest fan. 
you. Oh. Yeah. I love it. Yeah, that's what we're going to do. But we'll get to that when we get to next week. Right. We were talking captains. We were talking... We were talking about Gull Massette. Massette. Yes. The moment the moment between him and and his underling, who had just right. checked, checked the interface of the computer right, right. To, to see if their solder joints are stronger than the ones on the Cardassian ship or something. I don't know. You Maybe. bet your ass they are. They pretty much established from the very beginning that the Enterprise could take out any Cardassian ship. Yeah, yeah. It was interesting to not feel threatened by them. Right. And still... It's just like, all they do is move the shields. No damage, or there's damage, but no casualties. And he's just like, okay. Minor damage before we got our shields up. Sorry about that, sir. Didn't know they were going to fire on us that quick. Right, right. They came in, they came in hot and still didn't do much. So, yeah, I yeah, got it you now. Get the- Don't worry about it. <laughs> right. Worf was kind of great. I have to call myself out on something for this, too. Did we establish last time or in the previous one, what is it when you uh, are like, Racist against aliens. Xenophobic, I think, is what we decided we were going to call it. But that might not be right. It could be speciophobic. Speciophobic. Spe- we'll go with specious because that's specious. I think. Let's go with specious. So please, somebody correct us. Right. Somebody let us know. Uh, I was being a little bit specious because when O'Brien called, like, gets all crabby pants in the turbo lift. I was like, wow, you're being kind of a jerk. You're not being kind of a jerk. You're totally being an ass. He was, a, he was an ass. But when Worf, every single time Romulans are brought up, or anybody that he doesn't like, well, I guess it's not specious. I totally expect that of him because he's Klingon. And that's specious of me. Hmm. Does that make, does that make Worf specious as well? Because he doesn't trust anybody? No, he's just... He doesn't trust Klingons either. Right. For, well, for good reason. So I don't think it's a spe. Yeah, here, here's another. Oh God, we're going to get into a specious conversation now. <laughs> no, that was just I had to call myself out for that one. Uh, no, that's cool. Good. Um, hey, and so did O'Brien. He did. He totally changes his mind. Right. Or at least can acknowledge that maybe the damage is inside and has nothing to do with Cardassian, who's been very friendly to him the entire time. Yeah, it, 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 I mean that one. The, the the one guy was the I'm going to go and do something sneaky, mm-hmm. and you could tell from the looks between him and Golmaset on the bridge that it was like nice try, but go to your quarters and we got to play this out. I got the feeling like maybe there's a spy thing going on, and he just got caught. So to keep the route, it's just like oh, you're going to get punished. I'm going to deal with you, but. Maybe it was completely sanctioned. Well, I don't know. If you watch it, there's a lingering moment. Right. That lingers there is. a little bit longer yep. than is just, I'm pissed at you. It's more like, we'll talk about this more later kind of thing. Right. It was, uh, now I could be making that up. I kind of caught that moment too. And so I don't think you were imagining it because it really had me questioning. And then directly following that, Picard goes into the chambers or whatever sidebar to converse privately with Massette. Yes. And, uh, and then Massette seems super sincere and I totally bought into that. I was like, Oh, he's like Picard for the Cardassians. I totally did. I was just like, this is great. This is cool. Seeing the opposite side of two. Oh, Mark Alamo. 
the actor that plays this man, mm-hmm. he has you already. Mm. He has you. So I don't. <laughs> he, he's not even Goldicott yet, and he's already manipulating and twisting your little brain there, mm. isn't he? I wanted to believe. You have to believe because he's so sincere and so he's he just is what he is. Never believe Goldicott. Never believe these people. They are. They are. And yet, some of them are very genuine, very human. <laughs> You can't make the enemy always bad because they're not. And it's the same thing when you get to like the Civil War and you pause shooting each other so that you can go exchange cigarettes for coffee. Or collect your wounded. Because one side's got something the other side wants. And then you go back to your holes and you start shooting each other again. And it's just the mind mess that that creates when you have to make the person who is in front of you 100% bad guy so that you can kill them without feeling bad, which doesn't work because you come home if you survive from war and you're messed up. It doesn't matter who you are, how cold you are, what you became or what you did. And proven by O'Brien. This show got so deep. Yeah, it did. It did. Yeah, it did. And and, and O'Brien was dealing with it. He dealt with it yeah. through, through the whole th- Even the moment where Troy... Bless her heart. She gets this beautiful moment. That was such a beautifully subtle moment. I will give it up for that moment right there. Yeah. Finally. Counselor moment. It was a really good moment. I wish we had gotten a chance to see more. Or anything come from that. Yeah. And my guess is they probably filmed a scene. It just, it makes perfect sense that they would have. And it didn't, it didn't make the cut for some reason. But yeah, there should have been more to explore. Oh, I would rather have had that than the song. She knew almost instantly that O'Brien was not happy about the Cardassians being on the ship. That was a gorgeous moment. I really did think so. And then, you know, the stuff in the turbo lift, he's, he'll answer questions. If he's told that that's okay, or basically commanded to. Pretty much. And and who I spend my time with, you know, all that stuff. But then to to come back in the bar Mm -hmm. and have that moment with the guy and say, and and apologize. Mm -hmm. Woohoo. Like, bravo. And to admit it, you know, listen, it's not you. I, I, th- I love the line. It's not you. This it's so full of great lines. It's not you I hate. I hate what I became because of you. Yeah. It acknowledges the self-hatred, but it also is still, I hate you. That Cardassian wasn't there. He didn't shoot him. He wasn't getting shot at by him. That was that Cardassian there, but still all of that self-hatred and it comes out as still, you made me this way. Not collectively, but I'm looking at you and you're the reason why. And that I think is Maxwell's thing too. He feels completely just you, all of the, every single one of any Cardassian set in front of him was the one who killed his wife and his kids. Yes, They're the ones, they're the ones who messed him up. So it doesn't matter who you are. He's made them that one and they must all be destroyed. And the fact that he's not wrong or he's moving on a hunch, there were so many opportunities for him not to be a dick about this war especially when it's so clear that all of the ships just got shot down. We just watched like the entire fleet destroyed. Uh, Yeah. You're talking about, you're talking about because of the Borg. Right. Right. And yet when, when you need to go after the white whale, when Mm -hmm. revenge becomes the only thing in front of you and you have the means and you have the, all you need is that one little push of justification, which he didn't quite have, but the hunch was good enough for him to go on the rampage. 
The hunch was good enough. And, you know, just like Picard said, I don't know if I would believe him because I don't know him. But if Picard is sitting there saying, I have no doubt that if we searched those ships, we would find exactly what Maxwell said we would find. But we're not going to do that. If if when, when Picard said that, it's like... Yeah. Future's going to get messed up. Oh. We'll be watching you. But here's the thing. There were if Picard had been in that situation, maybe he might have sent in a spy or done some sneaky stuff or just to find out or maybe use diplomacy or pushed their hands a little bit. He would have done something else that did not include going in and shooting everything. He wouldn't have done that. Picard would not have done that. This is an interest this is an interesting moment for Picard because he's standing here on the moral end, the ethical side, the the, the righteous side maybe if you want to call it that Depending of this conversation. And then fast forward a, a few years to a little movie called Star Trek First Contact, which people that have seen it, you haven't obviously, but people that have seen it will note um, the similarities when Picard goes on his little revenge against the Borg rampage, Ooh. which is what that movie is about. Mm-hmm. A big portion of that movie is Picard has had it with the Borg and right. he kind of loses it a little bit because, you know, Patrick Stewart can probably pull that off on screen. Uh, yeah, I'm thinking I'm going to watch that. You're going to recommend it and not have me watch it. And I'm going to watch it anyway. <laughs> <laughs> well, we're coming up on the end of the next generation here. So if that's going to happen, it's going to happen in the next like couple of weeks. Real quick. Uh, this is a lesson that, that Picard learns and then forgets when it's him on the line a few years from now. In so many ways, on so many levels, fascinating to me what Picard does because his orders are, you better keep this peace because it might be that we can blow them up right now, but if they come at us, we got nothing. The Borg took us out. That's what I took out of that. You said he followed orders. Yes. He did exactly what he was ordered to do. Yeah. Just like O'Brien. Picard's just every man. Oh, don't you dare. There is no every man in Picard. <laughs> no, there really isn't. But, but um, I think O'Brien is an absolutely exceptional every man. Oh, okay, that's fair. And I I know more about him. He's going to be in, you know, 100 and I don't even, I haven't done the research yet. 100 and I don't know how many episodes of Deep Space Nine. So I have no doubt. By the time I get to the end of Next Generation, I'm going to be sad about some of the stuff I said at the beginning of the Next Generation when we started recording. Same thing with the original series. Like, sure. So I'm giving myself that leeway. Every Every beginner should have that leeway. By the way, for all of you Trekkie fans out there, Write this down. When you're introducing Star Trek, let them be okay with not thinking that something is amazing because they might think it's amazing in the future, but it's okay that they don't think it's amazing right now. Let it be. I will try my best to not (laughs) fall into that trap as much as I know I do. Thank you, that was a beautiful thing to say. Is there anything else you want to say about about oh the actual episode? The episode. <laughs> I think we've covered all of my feels. Let's see, and then I, see, I put mutton chops, but I knew they weren't mutton chops. I was trying to figure it out too, and it just came to me when you said they're not mutton chops. They're it's a fumanchio. It is a I didn't a really sharp one too. I was digging that. It's a it's a nice little clean. I don't know. I don't know why I like it so I much. I usually hate facial hair, but it worked. Yeah, he's got the. There's something else about the Cardassians. I don't know if it's the makeup and stuff they put on their neck. I liked the kind of long, slender line. It gives them this weird hunch. The neck bones. Yeah, I don't know what that is, but I, I, 
it's interesting. Well, they've got the they, so they've got the bones in their neck that that, that mm-hmm. protrude out and and look very kind of almost menacing. They've got the forehead, which either will have a circular shape or not. It's not a ridge thing, but it'll have you know almost a geometric pattern in each one, and and you know the, the very sharp. Yeah, angles. the nose, and then down to the the what is this called on your lip? There's a anyway. It's all like this completely sharp. Yeah, very pronounced, and it's it, and yet you could totally see what they were up to. You could see what Gomer Set was up to. You could see his, you know, I mean, it was it's a clever makeup design. I think so. I hope you like it because you're gonna see a lot of it. Shall we talk some track? Yes. Do I want to build on what I said earlier? Sure. Because I thought that the wounded was really great, and I know that. Gosh, my mind just went to City on the Edge of Forever, but that'll work because that's it's all of these big, big favorite episodes. It's really, really hard as a beginner who doesn't know or doesn't. The iconic like, ones, the iconic episodes. The, the, the super iconic ones that everybody's like, this is the one or those are the ones that they would start. Yeah, they would start introducing people to. Maybe that's not such a good idea because it's to go to a Trekkie who's also your friend and say, I didn't really like this is so difficult or it is for me, but I'm a people pleaser. So <laughs> yeah, no, I listen, we, we Trek fans, we are, I don't even know how many conversations you and I have had about how crazed we folks are about our show. <laughs> it right? was one of the first things I said. And the first thing we want is for you to watch it. And the second thing we want, and we want it almost immediately after the first thing starts, Mm -hmm. is we want you to love everything that we love. And we want you to be 100% invested in everything like we are. Right. Right from the beginning. And it ain't fair. And it's a ridiculous expectation that keeps a lot of people from, from enjoying it. So on behalf of all... Star Trek fans that have friends who are not yet Star Trek fans, cut them some slack, folks. Let it go. And if you want to nerd out, go to the con. I guess that's the that's the best way. Well, I mean, there's plenty of there's plenty of opportunity on social media. Uh, there's plenty of opportunity in uh, you know you can find meetup groups. You can go to gaming groups and find people that are going to like Star Trek. Probably you can hit us up. You can hit us up. We'll talk. We'll talk Trek with you on yeah. Twitter at Begin the Trek or on Facebook. <laughs> Figured that was a good time to plug it. Anyway. Have I done that to you a lot? I bet I, I, like, what was your experience watching? I'm sure, because I know you did a lot of Google research after you watched The Best of Both Worlds, looking for the stuff that you were looking for regarding Riker. Did it make it more difficult for you to tell me that it was only a three out, like, episode two was only a three out of five? Yeah. Yeah. Hmm. Well, I want, I came in here, I want to like it too. But I also, the entire point of this podcast is to be true to, I've got new eyes. I have no idea what you know. I don't have the history with it. So yeah, I want to be true to that too. And it's not what somebody else would see. And it's not what somebody else would rate. Uh, I, I only get to be me. <laughs> But I want to like it, and I want it to be great. Well, good because if you if you were tuning into something because you didn't want to like it, or not that's wanting crazy. to like it, that's that <laughs> that would be a much harder 
trek. Harder climb. I'm glad that you want to like every... I'm, I'm sure you want to like every episode. I want to like every episode. I don't like every episode of Star Trek. There are a lot of episodes of Star Trek that I don't like. There are episodes that people say, oh, this one's so good. And I'm like, really? Are really? You that one? Sure? <laughs> that one? Everybody has a favorite. Everybody has a least favorite. And you can point at different ones for each person along the line. I would like to talk about Deep Space Nine. But we're not there yet. But we're only a couple of weeks away because we only have two more Next Generation episodes after (gasps) this week. Yes. We've got two more from here. Yes. (gasps) I know. Well, that feels weird. I don't know how to let go. (laughs) It's time time to to switch crews again almost but but we're not we're not there yet we still have you know we still have a couple of absolute gems and we have so many that i can't show you oh my gosh i mean (sighs) but it is time for us to start prepping deep space nine that was a lot of what this episode was because cardassians i want to i want to give you the cardassians are involved in deep space nine uh, so I want to give you a little bit more background about them because there's some episodes of The Next Generation involving the Cardassians, and there's some episodes involving another race called the Bajorans from a planet called Bajor. Bajorans from Bajor. Okay. The Bajorans. And those two races are prominently figured in, in uh, Deep Space Nine. Okay. So this episode... Whilst a Next Generation episode also gave me the opportunity to cheat and introduce some elements of Deep Space Nine to you early. Okay. Okay. Ones that you would have gotten had you seen it all anyway at this point. So I'm just trying to catch you up as much as I can. Sure. So the Cardassians are kind of jerks, as you could tell. Some of them. Some of them. Some of them seemed okay. The drunk one seemed fine. You got to love the one that's like, where's the bar? That's an interesting thing to note as I think about um, What's to come? Daynar and his obsession with Kanar in the future and what he ends up becoming. <laughs> yes, the drunk ones might be okay after all. The problem is, is many of them don't get drunk. We should all We should all be more drunk. We should all get more <laughs> drunk. So the lesson of this episode is... Is definitely go to your bar and be friendly. Bang back a couple of shots, confess your sins. Buy somebody an ale. And make a new friend. There you go. I like that. That's the best takeaway ever. Isn't that a great takeaway for this That's episode? A wonderful I, one. It totally fits. It totally fits. Um, so so the Cardassians uh, in in their past have been a little bit of a warrior race, even though their technology is not nearly as advanced as ours, as you could mm-hmm. tell. Um, although it's they've got better ships than that one. That was a smaller one. Um, they, at one point, will uh, have occupied a planet called Bajor, which with the is Bajorans. a with the Bajorans, okay. which is a highly religious people. They kind of enslaved them. Kind of. They have them. Well, they have them working in processing mines, and and yeah, they enslaved them. I okay. mean, they they you can yeah, call it's, it's, it's bad. It's, yeah. It's bad. Uh, And Deep Space Nine takes place, it starts uh, right there in the outskirts of Bajor. Um, Deep Space Nine was a Cardassian, actually it was a Bajoran-built Cardassian-run 
space station okay. orbiting orbiting Bajor. The Cardassians have been pushed off of Deep Space Nine, and the Federation is coming in to help establish the new government in Bajor. All right. As the Cardassians have finally been pushed away. So that's the start of Deep Space Nine. Okay. And I wanted, I wanted to give you that because there's a lot of uh, – there's background on the Bajorans. There's a, there's a great episode, and here's where I'm going to start recommending. Okay. Do you have any questions about any of this? I will take everything you say, and then in the future, I will know exactly what you're talking about. <laughs> yeah, I, it, like it's a, it's a lot, and I don't want to give you – I don't want to give you too much, but I want you to get – so there's these Bajorans. They've got wrinkled noses. They look a lot more human. Okay. They wear these. They wear these really cool earrings. One earring that's got all these dangly things. They have wrinkly noses, uh, and you'll meet them right at the beginning of Deep Space Nine. Okay. Major Kira, who is the second in command of the station as the show gets going, is Bajoran. You have mentioned that I'm going to like her. I think you're going to like her. I think you're going to like her a lot. <laughs> I hope you do. I don't know. We'll see. You're, I, <laughs> you're like, I'm done calling this. She, she might yell a little bit too much in the first episode, but she calms down. So did, uh, what's her name? Worf. No, the one who died and then didn't die and then died and then didn't die. Oh, Tasha? Yeah. She yelled a lot in the first episode, too. Yeah, she did. Yeah, she did. Well, that's, you know, when you're trying to figure it out. You, it, Worf yelled through the whole first two freaking seasons. He's still yelling. And then he got yelled at by a bunch of Klingons. Yeah. <laughs> I'm going to assume that's just Klingon. That's how it is. Yeah. The other thing that you're going to get is we've got uh, a couple of actors that are on Next Generation that are going over there. O'Brien, I've already mentioned. Mm-hmm. He's going to go over there. You'll you'll see him right at the start. That's our big tie-in, obviously, mm-hmm. to... New ship? No, no ship. Wait. Oh, no. This is a space station. Yeah. Huh. Is this going to be like Super Babylon 5E? And I have not seen Babylon 5. Well, then I will let you know if it's Super Babylon 5E. I'm looking forward to you comparing it some because Babylon 5 is on my list of when I have time. I have been craving rewatching that show so bad for like the last year. I should just bite the bullet and buy it. So you want to do a beginning the five after we're done? (laughs) You want to do Babylon five? We'll just swap the roles and you can, you can, you pick the episodes. Oh, I would make you watch all of them. It's only like five seasons. So it's not like Star Trek. They didn't keep going for literally generations. Oh, maybe I should start with that rather than Stargate next. Yeah. Stargate seems almost as daunting as starting Star Trek. Like I Until the very end, Stargate has the same freaking characters. So at least you're following along the same exact They change a lot though, which is good because the first ones are very like look at these old Egyptian bad guys and it's weird. Well, welcome to Star Trek did that too, right? <laughs> yes, like it took you're a while right. To say, what do we do? I, I, you know, how do we, let's, let's give Ferengi weird whips and make them wave their arms like monkeys. No, that didn't work. Let's try this. Let's, let's, uh, oh, the Borg. Hey, we got something here. Now there we're moving. Go. Then we got the wounded and uh, now we can make a sequel. Now let's do Deep Space Nine. Everything's experimentation. It's all about, it's all about, you know, working it, getting the time to work it out. And then you end up with what? are just some, I think, really great shows. Because we did talk about Mark Alamo? Mark Alamo. Alamo. I I hope I am pronouncing his name right. I'm sure I am not. Alamo as the gull Ducat. 
I look forward to seeing him again because I thought that was exceptional acting through all of the makeup and everything. Well, Just... you'll see him. You'll see him in the pilot. You'll see him in the pilot episode of Deep Space Nine. He is a recurring thorn in the side of pretty much everyone in the universe by the end of it. <laughs> awesome. That's kind of a shame. I thought he was going to be the Cardassian version of Picard. I really enjoyed that. There are a lot of people that rank him among the all-time greatest supervillains of Star Trek history. All right. Greater than, greater than Q, greater than the Borg. They think Goldicott may be like the, the ultimate bad guy. Is Q really a bad guy? That's for you to figure out. All right. That's for you to figure out. Well, Q, come back in Ste- blah, blah. Q comes back in Steep Space Nine? One time. Huh. Q, okay. Q does not make too many appearances uh, in Deep Space Nine. He only comes back once. I, I know why he doesn't go back. Cisco punches him in the nose. <laughs> I like this guy Which, already. Which, when it happens, he sits there <laughs> saying, Picard never punched me. I'm not Picard. <laughs> well, why don't you go back in time and deal with him then? Yep, and, and, he never, and he never comes back. Just That was very enjoyable to hear. <laughs> but he will also show up on Voyager. I don't think we're, we're not going to see him on Voyager. But he does show up on Voyager. In fact... Side note, Kate Mulgrew and John Delancey are very good friends. Oh, very good friends. Yeah. In real life. In real life. So, and they do a scene in a bathtub together. Oh, fun. I like it. Are we going to watch that one? No, we're not. There's no way that's not going to be recommended to me, though. I'll make sure that you know know about it. All right. When we get there. Yeah. We got plenty. We got so much more coming. So let me talk just a little bit about, for for those of you that want to know a little bit more about the Cardassians, let me give you the penultimate next generation Cardassian episode. Oh, for recommending. It is a... It is yeah. So I'm going to recommend a couple of episodes here. This is these are going to be episodes of background for Deep Space Nine. You got some here. We learned about O'Brien a mm-hmm. lot more. Oh yeah. Um, and he will develop his everyman character to a point where you know you hundred and some episodes of him, and you're going to start to like that everyman. I think that's totally fair. Because if all if all I saw was this, and then he went back to being like yes, Captain, or you know the make it so guy, then that's all I get yeah. is. He was pulled in for this. Obviously, he gets to do more. That's great. Yep. Yep. So, you know, from one line in the pilot to his own show. Bravo, Colm Meany. Way to go, dude. Does he show up at cons and stuff? Like, is he regularly? Cool. Oh, yeah. I've seen him at cons. I've seen most of this crew show up. In fact, a lot of the the alien people, including Mark Alamo, um, do a thing called the, the Rat Pack where they all... Dan, they do a like a 1950s show, and oh. it's all it's it's Goldicott and it's Wayun, uh, and it's a couple of Ferengi, and like all you'll like you don't even know who these people are yet, and they're all aliens, huh. and they come and do yeah, it's fun. That's awesome. They do it every year. It's great. But, okay, so I was I was about to recommend. So the penultimate Cardassian episode is called Chain of Command. Okay, parts one and two. Two-parter. This one really should have been a two-parter. This one could have been a two-parter. And then you could have explored a whole lot more with the war, Picard. Well, Chain of Command, parts one and two. In that episode, uh, we believe that the Cardassians are are uh, building a, uh, some sort of technological weapon. And Picard actually is relieved of command to go on a special commando mission with Worf and Crusher. 
we are introduced to a Captain Jellico, who Riker, of course, clashes with immediately and ends up getting relieved of duty, which I'm sure you'll love. Uh, and uh, Picard gets captured and tortured by a Cardassian. And it is it's it's very powerful. It's it's a little hard to watch. There are it, it's real. It's they did a lot of research on uh, World War Two, World War One torture, to really do this. Oh, yeah, and geez. it's a it's a psychological episode. There are four lights. Um, that clearly means something, but not to me. It doesn't until you watch it. But everybody that heard it that knows what that means knows exactly what that is. Um, on the other side, if you'd like to learn a little bit, a little bit about the Bajorans, you could do that through a character that gets created that we're not going to get to meet. Her name is Ensign Rowe. And uh, the first episode that she's in is an episode called Ensign Rowe. So okay. that's the one sure. to watch for that, uh, in which you'll meet her and, and, uh, she gets assigned to the enterprise. Um, she's kind of, a uh, an outlaw at that point, but she's assigned to come in and, uh, um, work on a problem that's going on between the Bajorans and well, I'll, I'll just leave it at that. I'll, I'll let you okay. learn about that. So that way you can learn about the Bajorans. You can learn about the Cardassians a little bit more if you want to. Uh, it's a lot of extra stuff to watch before we get to our next episode. Remember that thing you were talking about like a few minutes ago when we were talking track and you said, I feel extra pressure when it's that episode that everybody loves. This is the one you love. We have arrived at that episode. Everyone loves this episode. That everybody loves. This is the one. This is the one that everyone loves. This is the. Oh, Lord. It, this is the number one most. You better show this episode. And, and yeah, this You're is already it. crying. Holy crap. So we're talking next week now. I'm already. So I watched this episode last week because I needed to check for spoilers, which I knew I didn't because. No story spoilers at all. None. I knew that already. But I watched it last week anyway because that's my routine. And I was in such... Okay, so so spoiler number one, Patrick Stewart is an amazing actor. Okay, we will fanboy out. Yes. I'm letting you know that right now so you are not surprised next week when Patrick Stewart blows you away at a level that he still hasn't gotten to yet. That's one. Spoiler number two, you need to buy a new box of tissues. Oh, my God. And I need to go buy another one probably because I am already in tears just thinking about that you're going to get to see this episode. And then the only other spo the real spoiler is this is the only one that I'm taking out of order. We've actually already passed the final episode when we get okay. to this. But we're going we're gonna to do that because I don't want to end on this one. I want to I be able to talk about this one and then end on the next week. So that's it. Okay. This features Picard. I'm guessing pretty heavily. Pretty heavily. I would say probably 80% of the screen time will be Picard. Okay. Um, and that's it. That's all you need to know. I'm going to put away the giant prediction machine. Okay. Okay. Because I Am don't. Am I not giving a prediction or? Here's the thing. Any expectation of it, just I don't want anything to be in the way of this. Okay. How about I want to do that because I do kind of want to see. I'm, I like these predictions and it's fun to see how close or how really far off I get. You can do it. Then. I'll keep it to myself, but I'll put it in a note because we can share notes and I will send it to you in a note that's marked and then you can read it and be um, next week. That way it's not. 
And then when it's already over and done, we can be like, oh, that was way off, Jessica. Okay. I can open I can open it and read it maybe next week. Or if it's completely not relevant and we never get to it, then who cares? That's good because I don't want because if you were to guess this and I were to like in any way react, I just can't. I can't. I'd have to black the screen <laughs> okay. so that I don't react. So, uh the name of the episode, this is the th- this is the 5th season, the 25th episode okay. of the 5th season, and it is called The Inner Light. The inner light. Okay. Are you going to be okay? I, there's just nothing I want to say right now. I mean, I I don't, normally I have like cute little or clever little things to say and I'm just. Well, how about I say, I can't wait to see this one. I'm, I'm, I'm really looking, here's what I'll say. I'm really looking forward to sharing this episode with you. Very much looking forward. Yeah. Okay. Then that's all we'll say until next week. Um, First reactions on Twitter at Begin the Trek, March 18th. March 18th. Uh, I will be tweeting this out. So you, and I might just be tweeting, oh my God, I'm crying. Cause that <laughs> looks like that's going to be the way this one goes. Uh, March 18th. Follow along for that. If you feel like it, if not, it does pop up later when we post and you can go to www.beginningthetrek.com. It may just be hashtag OMG, hashtag I'm crying. Hashtag Picard. <laughs> we'll we'll see. Whatever hashtags, whatever whatever is there for you, you just I Yeah, I just am very excited. I'm not ex- I'm, I'm not even ex- I'm just I'm looking forward to you enjoying just a phenomenal hour of storytelling. Awesome. It's not a two-parter. It is not a two-parter. The, the 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 last one will be a two parter, the last one of our of of this. Oh, and I should mention this. This is the last episode of the first half of your track. <gasps> episode twenty six will be the inner light. Inner light is the halfway point. This is the halfway point of your journey. <gasps> and is that a good one? I very specifically planned this episode to be. At the at, yes, to be at this moment. All right, is it all? That was. Something. Is it all downhill from here? It is not <laughs> all downhill from here. I'm just kidding. Uh, some people might argue that it might like, be all downhill from here. Like reached. this is this this could be the. There are a lot of people that when you say what is the all time best episode of Star Trek ever, no pressure, Jessica. The inner light comes Lord. up more often probably than any other. almost any other one. All right. I have a feeling I'm going to think it's a good one. Usually, when as many people like it, it's just because it touches that many humans, and that's just a sign of good. You're going to send me a note with your prediction. I'm going to send you a note with your rating next week. (laughs) Okay. Including not only the number, Mm -hmm. but also... The object. Oh, I like this. Because I know exactly what your rating is going to be. Uh-huh. I would be willing to bet that people that know this episode know exactly what your rating is going to be, and they know the object, too. Okay. We'll see if I'm right. All right. Well, we'll see you guys next week. It's going to be a good one. Enjoy, enjoy, the be- <sighs> enjoy the inner light, and I'll see you next week. Bye. You predicted that O'Brien would have not one, but 
two flirting scenes. Yeah, I thought he was going to go off with the Cardassians. Uh, he definitely got a flirting scene with Ten Forward when he finally came clean with uh, with his little buddy. Was that, was that a flirty scene? Well, it was certainly more flirty than sitting with his wife having plankton cakes. <laughs> I don't know. 